seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome to this week's edition of Skip the Tutorial, number one video game podcast on the Sword Coast. I'm one of your hosts this week, Brian Splinter Daniels, and joining me across the universe on Skype is none other than Todd B.G. Fortner. What's going on, man? Oh, man, good morning. Good <laughs> morning. Good morning. Good morning. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's, it's so crazy to hear that intro. It's been a minute, you know what I mean? I have to instantly give a shout out to Dewey and the homie Aaron. We was talking about that before starting the show. You know what I mean? Is you know just STT triple OGs that's been with us from the beginning when it was just straight Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, staying away from YouTube. So, uh, yeah, it is a uh, it's it's great to to see you again, man. And I'm excited about some of the topics we're gonna catch up on on this good Sunday morning on this beautiful Sabbath. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm good. How about yourself, to do? <laughs> I'm, I'm cool, man. Like. Just, I thank you for giving me the BG name too, man. They freed my boy BG. Yeah, he was bro. hugging Birdman. You know what I'm saying? They was hugging real tight outside of prison. Looked like a, uh, like an old, like mobster movie or something. After somebody had did a 15 year bid and they stayed true, I think he gave that man like a million dollars. This is speculation, but it looked like he gave him his cash money chain back. You know, being from Louisiana, I was glad to see that man. So. Um, it's real ghetto, and, but like, I don't know, man. I appreciate being able to have my own show. We can have goofy ass nicknames that we've been doing for years, keeping the street going. So, yeah, man. Yeah. What's, what's good? What's do you want to get straight to it though? Let's let's get straight to what inspired us to say, okay, we got to get up and actually ramp up and crank up the podcast again with this whole Starfield, Baldur's Starfield, Gate Baldur's Gate of, Three. Of the like it's it, it's become the the conversation of gaming really um especially lately because you know you've got these two major releases that have dropped recently Baldur's Gate 3 first dropping and then Starfield the the new Bethesda game that is not Skyrim again well is it is it really just Skyrim that's the question that's the question we want to answer today and we want to talk a little bit about but Baldur's Gate 3 itself is a I don't know, Todd. We've been playing it. Me and you have been playing it a lot. And it, it, the game of the year conversation, so let's get to the big point. Like, the game of the year conversation keeps going around it. Some people calling it the game of the decade. The game of the 21st century. There's a lot of conversation around how good Baldur's Gate 3 is. I know I played it first with Bob, and then you jumped on when it dropped on PS5. You've been playing it with Sarah. They, they, I want to know your feelings about it first. Like, just just yeah, raw yeah. feelings about being well, Okay, so first, first things first, I have never and thought I would never really be able to get into a true turn-based game. We and you talked about that several times. The closest I got to it was Final Fantasy, the recent remake, 7, yeah. where it had turn-based aspects, but it was still, you know, an action-based game, so it kept my attention. Um, and this would be the year that I do have to preface. Part of the issue was I kind of told myself I'm going to abstain from 2K24, for you know personal reasons we'll probably touch that a little bit later in the show and it's a video about that so i'm not gonna get into that but it was perfect timing for baldur's gate 3 to come out for me to give it a try making an investment and i had recent conversations with friends about D D experiences 
you told me about it, the fact that I got a chance to watch you and Bob play, I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and make the investment in it. And I can, right now, I got about 30 hours into it. And I'll talk about, not a negative per se, but where I could see where the grind could be, where it's a difficult game. But for me personally, it's easy. It's it's my game of the year. I haven't played the Zelda game this year. Yeah, I really don't have intentions to. But I think it would just be difficult to create. I mean, these games don't come around often. And I mean, it's easily game of the year just because I've had so much fun with it. It's really one of the most fun games I've ever played in my life so far. Um, and especially maybe part of it is the split screen co-op. I gave it a lot of credit for running perfectly on ps5 i wouldn't say it runs perfectly on ps5 right now on the split screen co-op side um but it's giving me the most fun as far as role play with my character and getting into it like building a high health elf with warlock subclass and trying to learn all the mechanics of it the can trips and what it means and navigating the chessboard of it all I still have not had sex with anybody. I still ain't had seen no digital titties and nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a, I'm a little disappointed by that. Uh, you know, but uh, my initial impression with 30 hours in basically is this easily game of the year. Now I've rambled a little bit. What's what's your perspective on it? So my perspective on this as a longtime D and D fan and as a longtime D and D player is that's that's what this is. It is a D and D campaign in a box. It, that's in a video format. That's that's essentially what it is. You have freedom of choice. There's very few things that Baldur's Gate 3, and that's what I love about this game, and that's what I think a lot of people are connecting with, is there are very few things in this game that the game tells you, no, you can't do that. Like, sure, sometimes you have to figure out a way to get around some of that, but yeah, there are very few parts in this game where it just says, no, you're not allowed to do that. There's no walls here. You can explore virtually anywhere on the map that you can get to. Um, you can talk to anybody. You can talk to animals if you have animal speaking. And even from that, you can learn different conversations. I mean, we followed... There was an ox in that first little town where all the refugees were. We talked to that ox. It turns out he was more than just what he seemed to be. And then when we got out and into Act 2, the ox showed up in that protected town and I talked to him again, and I was like, you're not who you say you are, Ox. And he's like, oh, I was trying to hide it, but you caught me. And then he turns into something else, and I won't spoil it, and he starts a fight, as usual. Like, that's what this game, sometimes they just start a fight. You can get in combat situations where, right now, me and Bob have convinced three bosses to kill themselves instead of us fighting them. And that's been awesome. And you still get the same XP for it. You still get the same rewards, but it's like, okay, if I can convince them through persuasion checks to kill themselves instead of me doing it, then that's what I'm going to try to do, which is pretty amazing. Um, the story really does unfold in a way, and me and Bob hit Act 3 the last time we played on Friday night. We're going to be playing more today, but I'll say this. This is one of the best story-written games I've ever played. The way it unfolds itself, the way that it reveals the details the way that it uses the characters and interlaces it throughout the game to where you're getting pieces of the story from different perspectives until you get to a crucial point and they give it all to you kind of at once. They kind of tell you everything that's going on. And in a way, but that's even what she then, said. And real quick, just hold that thought. I don't want to yeah, interject. I yeah. got to acknowledge Aaron real quick because he says in the chat, no sexy bears or trolls. 
Come on, Todd. I know. Not yet. It, there was a sexy, like, troll and giant ogre experience I ran into. Yes. I ended up killing everybody. And one more shout out to, to uh, you know, Aaron as well as far as football is concerned. I'm maybe try to catch it, but I think my next playthrough is going to be as a Coach Prime character based on what Colorado is doing right now. But I, I didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> you so much. I just had to acknowledge him real quick because the no sexy troll of bear time. I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to fuck the trolls or bears. I was more after Shadowheart or Carlock. You know what I'm saying? At least yeah, you yeah. had some shit going on, but I'm at a point right now where there's a decision that I'm pissed off about and I've gone back and forth about, but I interjected. And, you know, I didn't mean to interrupt your thought, my brother. No Definitely, worries, dude. You know, continue with your perspective on the greatness of, of Baldergate. Well, and then, it, and then it's, you know the story's going to go somewhere. I've purposely kept myself from trying to see if there's multiple endings because I just want to see what happens with this first playthrough. But I will say this, the choices that you make in Baldur's Gate 3 have real weight and consequence to them. You can completely lock off areas. You can, uh, you can get rid of party members in your camp if you make the wrong choice, if they don't like something. You can, you know, completely disrupt your path. You can skip whole fights, whole sections, whole bosses. This game is about choice and storytelling, which is what D&D is. D&D is about choice and storytelling and having fun with your friends. Now, that's what I'll say about this. Where this game really shines is the multiplayer. The multiplayer is the biggest aspect of this game that's just absolutely, insanely built to such a beautiful way. I've never really come across a multiplayer experience quite like this, where me and Bob will both stop while we're playing because the dialogue's going. And we want to hear what's actually being said because the voice acting's so good, the storytelling's so good, the writing's so good. I want to actually pay attention to the conversation, and we're both paying attention because we want to know what to do next. And we'll sit there and weigh out decisions sometimes when it comes to like dialogue choices. What should we do next? I even have a D20 that sits on my desk that sometimes if we can't figure it out, I'll roll the D20 and I'll be like, this is low, this is high, and let's roll this sucker. I mean, it's just, it's with D&D becoming more and more mainstream, with the movie that came out earlier this year, Honor Among Thieves, which was an incredibly fun, it's still in my top five of the year. Like, I've watched it, I don't know how many times at this point. It inspired Seven me. Or eight it was times. Fun. It was it was better than expected, and I appreciated the bootleggery aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was spot on, absolutely. And so, like D and D is becoming more mainstream. I remember in high school being a little bit bullied, not really, but more of like people kind of looking at me funny when I said I played D and D and Magic the Gathering. Those things are now becoming mainstream, and people are starting to understand. Hey, this is a fun way to have a good time. I mean, you can have yeah, fun with your friends. Yeah, I was a sad motherfucker that might have tried to bully somebody because due to my insecurity. So I get it, brother. That's part of what is beautiful about the podcast. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. And now I'm trying. Now I'm chasing after and want to want to be a part of it. So I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's like in my mind, it's like the more that come in, the more that are welcome to enjoy and to have fun and to to really see kind of what the beauty of this is, which is it's a shared experience. It's a shared storytelling experience. Would I want to play this single player? Probably not. Just being honest. After playing Baldur's Gate 3 for 50-something hours co-op, I don't think I'd ever want to play this game single player. Like, that would just be 100% not my thing um, right now in my life. I'm starting to learn about myself as a gamer a little bit, and I'm starting to learn that 
There are certain games I like to play single player, and there are certain games that must, like, they demand the attention of co-op play. Baldur's Gate 3, for me, is the one that demands the attention of co-op play, because that's where you're going to have your most fun. Um, I definitely think you need to go into Baldur's Gate with some kind of game plan to get more, you know, entertainment, more joy out of it. You want to go into it with that role-playing aspect in your mind ahead of time. It has brought, like, a first time for me, I think, I got close to it. It was like Dragon Age Inquisition type of game. Yeah. But this is just masterwork, and like you said, in in the writing aspects and the choices that you have to make and how it it does box you in as far as, hey, you're going to have to make hard choices. It's going to be one way or the other. Like, there's no easy way out, and that's kind of the beauty of it in this life. And part of the reason why my run is going on is because, to be honest, I don't judge what is it to save scumming situation yeah like where you just say but i get it it was like you know we've been going to this point we came to a hard decision it's like trying to go back and fix it we just looked at each other yeah. today and we're like okay look we're wasting time now it's, if at this point we'd have to start all the way over we just gotta go ahead and suck it up and go with what happens and to me that's the beauty of the game in a lot of ways that's a big part of the masterpiece of the writing writing and we've seen like okay if you leave this person at the camp and you go hear yeah. how the story can play out in the 10,000 different ways. So it's beautiful. Now, um, I don't want to segue too early into it, but it does lead me to try to be even more curious. or so I am more curious about Starfield because I was looking forward to Starfield. You know, I was paying, paying for Game Pass for yeah. years, and I just recently gave it up. It just wasn't offering me what I needed. I was getting more out of my PlayStation, to be honest. Yeah. It's just integrated into my life better. But when it, Starfield came out, I'm playing Baldur's Gate finally. It comes out on console. And I'm longing for it, but it initially gets 7 out of 10 from IGN. And, you know, when we initially talked about it, I know you were excited about it. And I was thinking to myself immediately, like, I'm going to probably like Starfield regardless. But uh, I know you've had a chance to deal with Starfield and Baldur's Gate. So your perspective is imperative on, like, what's going on. You know, how, how should people be spending their money? this year on gaming yeah so starfield for me todd is it's it's the bethesda experience right it's that's what it ultimately comes down to is it is the bethesda experience in a nutshell uh over and over and over again there's some things that i really love about this game there's some things i don't enjoy some of the repetitive aspects i think i've I've put about seven hours into Starfield at this point through Games Pass, and what I'll say is I'm liking it a whole lot more than I did initially. Um, I think the big issue with Starfield is it's a much more casual game than Baldur's Gate 3 is. Um, It's a much more casual game than I think some gamers want these days. For me, it's not a very difficult... um, you know, it, it, it's, it's got its moments. The combat feels good. Let me talk about the positives. The combat feels good. The actual ship flying, I kind of enjoy overall, even though I will say that something like uh, No Man's Sky has done it better. Um, you know, the, the, the dialogue options are okay. The, the characters themselves, the animations all kind of look like they use the same face and copy and paste it over and over again, which is fine. But the thing I will say that I like about Starfield more than I think some people would was the the I do like that casual experience. I, I like the ability to turn on a game that I can just kind of walk around in, get into combat scenarios, 
find different little aspects that are hidden and, you know, explore caves, explore areas where normally I wouldn't be, you know, it, it doesn't feel necessarily on the rails. There's some funny elements to it. Um, there's some great, there's some great little interactions between me and my crew, the shipbuilding I haven't really gotten into, but I've seen some people build and, you know, it does have those moments that look pretty fun. And I do want to build the enterprise from Star Trek. I ain't going to lie. Um, but what I will say is it's going to depend on what you're looking for. Do you want a deep Skyrim like experience? Well, you're not going to get that with Starfield. Um, that's probably because what it suffers from is they've essentially stretched something like Skyrim over the entire universe. I, I guess that's the best way to put it is they've stretched themselves pretty thin with the map and the exploration. The one thing I will say that is getting a little disappointing is going to different planets and kind of running into the same environments over and over again. It seems like you've either got desert barren or ice and that's kind of what it feels like and don't get me wrong that's probably more true to the universe than no man's sky um is with what i understand there's very few planets that are quite like earth but at the same time that doesn't always make for good gaming uh but what says space batman space batman you can make what you want man i mean you can there that's the cooler part about it too is you can affect the storyline itself. Um, that's one of my favorite parts is you can affect the storyline itself by not storyline, but the way you interact with the story by choosing some of your, your, your character traits. Like I chose to be a space scoundrel. So every now and then I'll be flying along or like on a planet and bounty hunters will show up to try to like attack me and try to catch capture me for my bounty. Um, which I think is kind of fun. Uh, but there's other things too, like the grind on, I've heard some people complain about the grind on the actual skill tree itself. I don't really have a problem with that. I don't have an issue with that because it seems like the leveling is almost moot. I've, you know, I'm a level three attacking. Well, now I'm a level seven, but I was a level three attacking like level 12s and 13s and having no problems with it at all. Um, well, let me ask you this question because I, I heard something. Casual. I, and I heard something recently, like somebody that was 36 hours into the game was saying that it didn't start opening up to them until then. I've heard some of the issues recently, like the biggest gripes is it takes 15, 20 hours for the game to even open up. And for actual casual gamers, that's who are maybe like bombing the game and giving it a 2.8 on Xbox because they're, you know, not willing to give up 20 hours of their life for a game to open up. So, like, could you see that as well? Like, as far as, you know, there's because I can already kind of tell maybe that's the idea of what Starfield is supposed to be. Starfield is supposed to be that game that launches on and gives them 10 years worth of games pass subscriptions. That's what I could feel already. So that whole dichotomy of the love hate, like I haven't seen a game like this affect like the culture. And, you know, gaming is the biggest entertainment yeah. culture we, we got. It, it's, it's 221 million. It's like triples everything else. So this is like a big deal. I've never I don't think I've ever seen a game this important kind of have such a love hate thing. Like, can you see that being one of the reasons why? Because some faithful people that have played it, maybe it was free, got it on game players, played it for 24 hours. Then it opened up. They found a secret base on this planet that they didn't expect and they ended up spending 12 hours playing and then you have some people that were like had it so hyped up 
Todd Howard has lied to us. Todd Howard personally lied to us at QuakeCon a couple of years ago before Fallout 76 came out. And we were all excited. We met the developers of, you know, Doom, which was amazing. And then Fallout 76 came out. They had all them weird-ass racist-ass white people masking shit that freaked me the fuck out. But I went for the ride. And it was cool. Todd Howard, we made P. Hines. And then Fallout 76 comes out. And it takes four or five years for it to be a good game or whatever as long as it took. So, like, with all of that, like, what do you think is going on with the dichotomy of it? So we can maybe get back to why I think automatically that it does suffer from Baldur's Gate 3 being surprisingly, um, you know, overwhelmingly great. But, like, the fact that, what was it? How many concurrent players did Starfield have when it came out? Uh, I was reading on that yesterday. Like at least a billion or some shit? Yeah, it was, it was pretty high up there. And then I will say it was overwhelmingly positive on Steam when it first dropped, and now it's just dropped down to positive. So it's gone from like an 89% approval to like a 70-something percent approval. Todd, to get to your point, though, I, I really do think... But like on Xbox Microsoft, the Xbox Microsoft people, did you see how it was 2.8? Yeah. How they bombed it? Yeah, that's that's which was crazy to yeah. me. Like I don't get that unless it was you know fake review bombing. Well, and that's for me is like there's there's always a truth in the middle there. There's always somewhere in the middle that it's going to be relevant more so. Is it a casual game for the most part at the beginning? Yeah, it feels very casual. That doesn't feel like there's very high stakes in anything you do. I can save scrum my way through, see what people do to react then go back and reload my save. It's not a big deal. Um, It doesn't feel like there's choices that you make in the game are very weighted. They don't feel like they have a lot of weight to them. Now, what I will say is I am looking forward to the game that's going to open up. And, you know, I've heard the same thing. I've heard 25, 30 hours you get into it, and then the game suddenly opens up. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Is is everybody going to make it to that point? No. Could I see why? Yeah, absolutely. Not everybody's got time. For me, I have time. I'm I'm very selective about what I play now. And I, I try not to play everything under the sun. And if I can find a game that I can sit on the couch with, on my laptop, while my wife watches Virgin River on Netflix, or, you know, um, it's, a, it's a soap opera, Todd. That's basically what it is. It's a soap opera. Uh, and I can sit is there. It a, is it a river with a bunch of virgins on it? <laughs> no, no, they just call it virgin. Okay, all right, never mind. We can continue. We can continue then. It's based off a book series. Uh, but, you know, while she's watching what she wants to watch, I'm not capitalizing the television. I can play on my laptop and just play some Starfield. I mean, that's where I got like five hours in last night, was just playing that by myself. And I was enjoying it. I actually was enjoying it. Um, Overall, is it going to win Game of the Year? No. Does it suffer from Baldur's Gate 3? Absolutely it does. It okay. absolutely does. Had Baldur's Gate 3 not come out and really just like started a wildfire in the gaming industry. Now, that being said... Then what? Does, does it give it an extra point? IGN all of a sudden gives it yeah. an 8 out of 10 instead of a 7 out of 10. I think so. But it's hard to give Starfield a seven out. I mean, an 8 out of 10 when Baldur's Gate exists and it, it offers yeah. so much for so little relative to what's going on across the gaming industry in general from microtransactions to just the whole way we play and and just the legitimate empirical things that you get with the game. Yeah. Like I think ultimately you do get the eight out of 10 if Baldur's Gate three doesn't exist because I think people view it a little bit differently. 
I think people look at it and go, well, it's not as bad as Cyberpunk or No Man's Sky when it released. Those games are now really big. Um, Cyberpunk's about to release, what's it called, Cyberpunk 2.0. It's Phantom, and Phantom Liberty's coming out. I'm actually yeah. excited about that. You got Idris Elba on there. I'm kind you know of excited Pacific about that. Rim. Yeah. You know what I mean? I am the last man standing, Idris Elba. <laughs> like, I'm about to re-download it, I think, because I was like, I want to see what this looks like. Um, right. But, you know, I and we know Bethesda. Bethesda generally supports their games pretty well. And so I, I can see where this game's going to be versus where it is now. Um, I think the intro experience is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, and I understand that. But, I you know, for me, it's it's kind of the perfect, I play it a couple hours a day, I'm fine. Like, maybe an hour a day, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy my time with it. I'll keep exploring until I find something interesting. And, you know, like, even it's kind of fun to pick different planets and see if you can't land. I landed on Earth last night just to see what it looked like and it's a desert right now uh of course yeah. it feels that way <laughs> chat says have you not done the man mantis quest line no i haven't done that yet that's star that's got to be starfield i don't know yeah i keep getting distracted State. i keep getting distracted in the game by different planets i landed on the moon and i was like let me see what the moon looks like and that was cool well one more question one more question about your experience so far because i heard this as well i feel like it is, and that's how I would have approached it and will approach it when I eventually play it. It is like set up to where it's not really set up for you to run through the main story. You really no. do want to do all the other aspects of it, the side, you know, missions, the building the ships, really getting into it, nerding out and yeah. building the Star Trek Enterprise, whatever the fuck. I think somebody did a, uh, a Star Wars destroyer or something. Someone did so, a Borg Cube. I thought that was dope. They built the Borg Cube. That is okay. So that. Right, so do you get those aspects from it with your initial impression? Yeah, like the like, game's it's just designed to distract you. Rap? The game's designed to distract you. Like even okay, so I'm on the first main quest, if you will, where I've gone to Constellation, which is the name of the organization that you're recruited by, to go find because that's kind of the precipice of the story. Is there's these ancient artifacts spread throughout this galaxy, and you're you're trying to find these ancient artifacts to see what they do. It's kind of the ultimate human experience where it's like, hey, there's this thing we found. It interacts with other artifacts. We don't know why. Let's go find all of them so that we can see what happens when we do this, right? It's a human element. There's That's about as deep as the story goes for now, um, which sounds like something a human would do. Like, hey, I found this thing. I found It's like the concept in Baldur's Gate. I found a lever. Let me pull it to see what happens. And sometimes something right. terrible happens and sometimes something good happens. Um, but what I'll say is I'm with, I've got a companion right now on my crew and she's from constellation. She's like, I'm going to go with you on this first mission. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so we get to the point where we're going to the second part of the mission and a dialogue option pops up. And one of my responses is forget the mission. I want to land on the moon. And I clicked that and she's like, ah, yeah, that's fine. Like, that sounds like a good time. Let's go do that. That's kind of what she says in the response. So it's the game telling you, yes, go enjoy, go explore, go look at things. Whereas try to find in stuff. Baldur's Gate, if you click that lever, a hyena might give birth to a werewolf <laughs> yeah. that goes and fucks That's a bear kind of in front Baldur's of Gate a and child who you chose to kill the rest of the family. It like triggers this domino effect of horrible and beautiful things at the same time. Yes. Whereas Starfield might be a little bit more 
you know, hey, you can pew pew if you want to open up like maybe a great balance of dichotomy, you know, yes. not the masterpiece, but something that could finally be distinctive to Microsoft. Finally, yes. for all of the people that have been loyal and have, you know, rolled with Microsoft, I had to get off the Microsoft boat with the 360 when I went through three 360s with the red ring of death yeah. when I was managing a GameStop. And I had all the systems and I just went ahead and switched over. I've said that, had that conversation with you a million times. But deep down, like I am a, a Microsoft person. Do you feel like this game does give them like even though it may not have come out to the best, you know, fanfare, it's not Anthem per se. Like it gives us something to look forward to with Game Pass and Xbox. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I, I really I think it's unique enough. I think it stands out enough on its own. Um, I think it's going to get better over time and it's, it's going to be like fallout 76. I mean, that's what I see the same trajectory as is fallout 76 comes out. Everybody's completely underwhelmed, talks about how trash it is. And now it's got a huge fan base. There's still a ton of people playing that game. And I jumped into fallout 76 for about 10 hours just to see, and I can see why it's got that Starfield element to it. It's the casual experience. And if you look back at games like, I mean, I really think that with Fallout 4, while I enjoyed Fallout 4, I think Bethesda got away from quote-unquote hardcore gaming with Fallout 4. It was a more broad, casual affair at that point. And I think they kept down that path because they saw their audience grow. Because you got to think Fallout 1, Fallout 2, and Fallout 3, they're pretty hardcore experiences. Fallout 1 is still a very difficult game and i think they saw that they could gain more with their audience um and kind of become a little bit broader if you will because you're talking about a studio that started out making crpgs and then skyrim while not a casual experience is played by everybody because of the exploration elements and what you see with with starfield is a combination of all of it that's what it is it's a combination of all of it and it takes a little bit from no man's sky and it takes a little bit from Destiny 2 and other space games. And, you know, it, it, it tries to boil down, like, the space flight and combat to a simplified version of what they do in No Man's Sky. And I think that's, you know, that was their choice. I know a lot of people are mad you can't land and take off off of planets. I get it. But at the same time, it doesn't really bother me. I don't care. Um, okay. I'm not here to play No Man's Sky because No Man's Sky has built its own game over the last, whatever, six or seven years that has become this huge thing. I tried to go into No Man's Sky and play for another about 25 or 30 hours. There's a lot you can do in No Man's Sky, but that is truly not a narrative-driven game. Starfield is trying to balance a narrative-driven game with a space exploration game, and I think they struck kind of a middle chord that works for them. Um, and I think they still want to build forward until, until dawn. I would love to build the forward until dawn. Like absolutely do it. I'm going to build some ships. Like once I get in there, I'm going to build some ships. But what I'll say is, you know, in a year from now, I bet people change their mind. I really do. Right. I really think that's going to happen a year from now. People are going to be like, Hey, Starfield's fantastic now. As they're saying about so Cyberpunk, what you're telling me is, no is, is Raleo is right. Tribesman Raleo is completely correct. And Starfield is the the bee's knees, if you will. It's the best thing since fucking <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. No, I don't think so. Way yet. Way yet. 
There you go. I really don't think it's peanut butter jelly. Um, I mean, it's 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 a game. That's kind of where I'll be. like it's a game. Well, look, how about this? Let's be fair too, because if if we both have heard, it takes a lot of hours to get into it, and you plan on dealing with it. We we may revisit it. Yeah. But I think we both come to the consensus that a big part of some of the shitting on Starfield might be undue due to the greatness of Baldur's Gate 3. Yes. It's just too hard to ignore Baldur's Gate 3. Like, it's too hard to ignore yeah. the story and everything that it offers and what comes well, with it. I don't it, think... The, and there got to be different experiences. The And I'll say the difference between them is Baldur's Gate 3 feels... Like, okay, you got two houses on the neighborhood, right? Um, you've got two houses in the neighborhood. One of them's got a lot of pretty stuff in it that you can't touch and it's always clean. And the other one's got three dogs, a bunch of stuff. It's clean, but it can be a little messy, but it feels like a home. That's the difference. Baldur's Gate 3 feels like a home. Starfield almost feels like an interactive museum in some ways. And mm, that's okay. the, there's okay. a little bit of soul missing from Starfield. Uh, not the soul, my boy. Yeah. Not the soul. Chess said, Chess said, do you hate not having a local map? Yes, that drives me absolutely crazy. There's some areas you get into, you don't have a map for it. And, like, it just absolutely, some of those mines and some of those, like, power locations I can get lost in. Because I'm like, how do I get out of here? And then I have to turn my scanner on and turn on another mission point just to get out of there. Because you turn the scanner on and it'll show you the steps you're supposed to take, like, on the ground. But then they disappear after me. It drives me nuts. I don't like having, I like having a map so I can also see what areas I've already explored versus what I haven't. And that kind of drives me a little bit insane, too. Um, so, yeah, they need to fix the map. They really need to fix the whole UI of it. The, the the inventory management, all that stuff. It can become very complicated. Like, instead of transferring stuff to my ship or to my companion just easily, I have to go talk to my companion. I have to go, hey, can we trade? And then she's like, oh, yeah, you can... I'll take stuff and carry it for you. And then I transfer all the elements to her that I picked up while mining stuff. Or I have to go to my ship and then go sit in the cockpit and then click on the inventory. Like, it's it's a very, it's a complex, some of that stuff needs to be worked out. Some of it's way more. But I mean, you you stated it. You think like through the modern community and yes. just in a year, you feel like all those things would be ironed out. Yeah. I mean, I think Baldur's Gate 3 had an advantage on that, like with the way they were able to release the betas. is a lot of, you know, and I might be speculating a little bit with that, but I think no, just they the way to their they laid it too. out. Yeah, and I played original Divinity Sin 2, you know what I'm saying? Or Divinity Original Sin 2, excuse me. But, uh, and you know, I had trouble getting all the way into it. So, like, this was, like, the perfect experience and the perfect timing to get me into it, which, like, I don't want to spend a lot of time into, but I want to thank Baldur's Gate 3, that type of game and everything else, for kind of helping me with my 2K addiction. Yeah. I'm missing Let's 2K24 so Let's bad right now. Man, I'm missing it so bad right now. I'm missing it so bad right now. My cousin infamously made the call last night. My boy, I love him to life. The great 2K player, DZD, he was like, man, you're not getting the 2K24 this year? Listen, I made a commitment a month ago that just alone, not based on anything else other than just the microtransactions alone. You can catch it in the video, the NBA 2K24 rant on the channel. That gives a little bit more depth. But uh, 
it just I, I'm, I'm missing it right now because the game looks great. The gameplay looks great. Last year's game, 2K23 was great. You know, uh, I got dubbed 2K Sensei. I wouldn't really say that, but I do do some goaded stuff. There's there's things you can see, you know, about the crack. Yes, Cape Punishment, the crack that is 2K. I'm itching, baby. Mm, let me explain something to you, Brian. Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. When it comes to 2K, baby, I would do almost anything, okay? I've sold, I'll sell a baby for 2K. Like, people, my, my, my kinfolk out here, like, I know people that's gambling for 2K right now. They on DraftKings and doing all, they will call their Italian friends again, going back to the mobsters, to do anything to rig a game just to pay for 2K. And I'm part of it, man. I'm not judging. I'm saluting. And it looks beautiful. It's, but it's been, it's going to be a journey. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate any support that you can give me through this time. Uh, I gave myself a time frame until December. I just spent way too money, much money last year. So I wanted to shout out a couple of YouTubers, you know, like All City, he's doing a no money spent um, grind. Um, Anonymous TV, Brutal Sim, Jai Easy, like yeah. some YouTubers that I fool with. Um, I'm going to definitely be checking out, uh, you know, my cousin DZD might be streaming, so I might link up with him on that. And I'm going to always keep my posts on the game because it's so much that that game offers that Unless you're in the community and then you're on that side of it, it's difficult for you to understand how you can spend that much money. But it has gotten to the point where, you know, I just got to stand on my word a little bit. Um, just to pay attention to chat real quick. No money or NMS, no money spent just has such a better inventory system and having your ship or oh, NMS. No man's whatever sky. That, oh, so that's my, no man's sky. Yeah. OK, my fault. He's See, right. Said no money spent. It's got a way better right. inventory system. It, OK, but how long did it take to get that? And Punisher I mean, said Amazon hold me on my game isn't gonna <laughs> deliver until Tuesday. My bad. My bad. Tribes me STT triple OG punishment, man. I know you look when I get on there, I'm gonna need you this year too. You know what I'm saying? But not until till the uh December time when it go on sale. But yeah, um you said but to go back, because I'm over here saying no money spent getting things together. You saying no man's sky. It, would you still get Starfield over No Man's Sky if you had a choice right now? Mm. Nah, <laughs> nah. Okay, look. If you're looking for a space exploration game, I mean, it depends on what you want, right? Because No Man's Sky is kind of like Minecraft in space. You can fly to different planets, build home base. Like Aaron said, it's got a better inventory system. You can explore, find different alien civilizations, alien creatures. You can look at dialogue as far as like translating alien script to find out what was going on. Um, and if you want a much more casual experience, then Starfield's the way to go. That being said, seventy nine ninety nine is quite a or sixty nine whatever, however much that's quite a bit of money to ask. I'm glad I got it on Games Pass. Like, right? That's a hundred percent where I'm at. Uh, yeah, he's right. No Man's Sky has a garbage story. You just ignore it. Aaron just said that in the chat. He absolutely has a garbage story. Starfield, so far, I'm intrigued by the sci-fi elements of the story. We have an artifact that's found in space trying to figure out what it's doing, and I'm working for this group that's kind of, um, it's it's like a group being funded by some old rich white dudes. It's like kind of creepy getting into the woods, doing the dancing kind of stuff, which, you know, I mean, I find that interesting. Like, I'm like, yeah, sign me up. Uh, let's find out what's going on in the universe with this dude, with this billionaire's money. 
Uh, he's funding the operation. Let's go. Um, but it's, it is, I'm glad I have it on games pass. I can't, I don't know if I would have liked this as much had I paid full price for it. It's, it's kind of the Diablo four element where it's like, I really enjoyed Diablo four to, to start, but I got about 30 hours into it and I'm like, eh, I'm getting kind of bored. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not bad, but going back to 2k real quick, I'm excited for basketball season. Number one. I've been prepping myself for basketball and hockey season. Number two, I watched uh, a couple of documentaries that I would definitely recommend. I watched that Steph Curry documentary, underrated. That was good. That was really good. I agreed with a lot of the sentiment of that documentary. And then I watched the Kobe documentary, the 80 point, 81 point game. Like that's still, that's still a great documentary. Yeah, man, Steph Curry is an absolute American psycho. He's a goat, I've been bro. watching him for like David. David, I've been watching him since Davidson. I love, you know, how much I love basketball. That's why it's yeah. killing me not to be able to play play 2K right now, 2K season. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I'm saluting everybody that has already started the Kumate. Kumate, do your thing, get the bills. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you know, Kobe. Honestly, man, I really just respected Kobe so much more yeah. as a man and a human being after his passing, his tragic passing. Um, yeah. I partially, and I got a shout out, A-Base Tohani's channel doing his thing with Street Fighter. We will talk about that. But we were talking about how there are some aspects that are kind of dirty about corporate America to me. And I didn't feel comfortable all the way with Kobe as much as I am glad to hear and see. So far, it looks like they're honoring him. Um, but it, I'd be interested to see, you know, me, me being an old fart in a in a certain kind of way. Like I was around to watch the like eighty one point game and Shaq and how that all yeah. played out in the beef. So some of those uh, documentaries, you know, it just uh, the nostalgia is real cool. But it just it does remind me, you know, to salute the the, the great Kobe Bryant and the man into he became. Old man, bro, like I just I find sports or sports documentaries to watch instead of horror movies sometimes, like. I was watching the documentary on a hockey goalie last night where I was like, oh, this is fast. Well, you know, I love hockey, but it was like, you know, at the same time, like that Steph Curry documentary, like, oh, man, that was that was a good documentary, too. You know, like he is yeah, man. like you give the guy the ball half court, whatever he can put it in. I mean, it reminds me a lot. That's the crazy thing. That's one of the things that's broken on 2K so far. They got people shooting. With Steph Curry from behind, from behind the three pointer on the other side of the court, draining it. Do you know how fucking annoying that is? It's a semi old, just two K head that's been playing two K since its inception. That would be. So I'm gonna knock my fucking Michael since its inception. Since two K was born, I've been playing hardcore two K. To how annoying that would be that some casual could spend a hundred and fifty fucking dollars to skip forty levels, get armbands and shit, and shoot three pointers in my face from the other three pointers. That would be so frustrating, dude. Grinning it from half court, man. But oh my god, you know what I'm saying? But that's why I say I can't be mad. I can't be mad at it. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Like I'll, I'll catch it. I can't. When I get it, I'll stream it. I'll give my honest opinion, just like I'm running through. And just streaming Baldur's Gate 3 or whatever, if you want to yeah. check that out whenever I'll, I'll be doing that from time to time. Excuse I know, me, but, I know um, Starfield's going to help me. I'm looking me. forward to that later on. Starford, Starfield and Baldur's Gate 3. All right, Starfield especially is going to help me with my anxiety watching hockey and basketball season because my Mavs and my Stars always have a tendency to let me down at some point. So, 
but at right, least right. I have something Dallas else. Dallas gave up a on. good player, Christian Wood, man. But one thing is, as far even though we're getting old, like this has kind of brought back the youth. And this is why I, I want to yeah, thank yeah. you into the show. I know kind of to get into this, but when you told me, like, you know how much of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan I am. Yes. At my heart. Yes. Like, you know, at my car, core, I would draw as a kid and I, you know, I, I used to learn, I would draw with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The 91, what is it, 91 film, the original one? Yeah, and the 91 film was the original. Brown, yeah, classic. You know what series. Yeah, series. just classic, right? But I was hesitant in watching the new animated film directed or written by Seth Rogen. You, I'm going to let you talk about it because you saw it twice before I got to see it. And I just want to know your thoughts. Man, I saw this movie. Do you know how long it has been since I've gone to see the same movie twice in one weekend? I think the last time I did that was The Matrix Reloaded. Was because I just don't, I don't tend to rewatch movies. I don't tend to rewatch the, and there's been two movies this year that I've rewatched multiple times. And that's number one is D and D. Number two is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, this, this, this game, this, not game, this movie is incredible. I don't know how to put it any other way. The humor is on point. The heart is on point. You got Jackie Chan as Splinter. You got incredible animation, incredible action sequences. You got Ice Cube as Superfly, who just comes in with the coolest intro ever. I mean, just flat out. I don't, I don't know how to say it. I'm Superfly. Like, it just absolutely a beautiful movie. Um, it captured the heart and spirit of what it felt like to be a kid again. I'm glad to see the turtles are still thriving in a new and different way. I'm looking forward to the sequel. I love the post credit scene. I mean, everything about this, the voice acting, um, just everything about this, man, was just an absolute wonderful experience. It was a very, um, it had a lot of great references to the old material while still paving its own way. And it felt very much like, and the one thing I'll give it credit for is this is the first time I've ever seen the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles actually feel like teenagers. They, I don't that always understand. Yeah. yeah, and I don't always understand the language of the teens today because I'm clearly I'm 37 years old. Um, but you can still connect with what it's like to be a teenager, and I felt that hubris you have when you're a teen teenage boy. Is like you feel invincible as a teenage boy in a lot of ways, and that came across in this movie in a way that you're struggling with your parents, you're struggling to be independent, you're struggling to be yourself, you're struggling with love and growing up in the world, and that's really what it played so well as is both a teenage mutant ninja turtle story and a coming of age story. That's what was so cool about this is they did this kind of perfect balance. You know, it's my it's in my top five of the year. Not only did I see it Easy. twice in theaters, I've watched it twice now that it's on home video. Like I've, like I, I turned it on and just let it play, like whatever's going on. I Look, just man, when when I I'm gonna be honest, like I said, I preface it. it I've, I'm a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. Is clearly of our era, definitely my era. Um, and even when you telling me, hey, man, I went and spent money and went to the movies twice to see this, I was like, he might be going through a couple little things. I don't know. Maybe he just need to get the fuck out the house. When I finally watched it, I was glad I saw it in the theaters too, just like you said, just to support the film. Um, and it, and come to find out, I believe Fox. This was like a throwaway Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. movie. This wasn't. This was something that. This is the reason why Seth Rogen could do anything. 
and I was immediately gonna compare it to Spider-Man, the new Spider-Verse movie, which was a great movie. I enjoyed Spider-Verse as well, but I, I believe after I saw saw it, I talked to him, the first thing I said is I think it's better than Spider-Man, the second one, only because of the letdown that I got in the second movie. They're both great. I love Spider-Man. I'm yeah. not trying to downgrade Spider-Man. I'm just saying how much I personally, surprisingly enjoyed the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles experience. All the reasons, like you said, even the things I wasn't expecting to enjoy, like the April O'Neil story, kind of switching it up. At first, I was uncomfortable with it, but as it played out, it just made a whole lot more yeah. sense. And even Splinter, I wasn't quite comfortable with the story initially, how that was going to go. But Jackie Chan is a treasure and a master, and he kind of brings it all the way together. And one thing that really stuck with me is you said, hey, you can tell from the martial arts in the film that it's influenced by Jackie Chan 100%. and his history in those films. And a thousand percent, I'm with you on that. And me, I feel like I need Jackie to see Chan. the credits. Like A thousand percent, man. Yeah. Bruce Lee, the whole now I can't wait for the Bruce Lee anime. But Jackie Chan, I would love to see the names on the like film direction as far as like the martial, the, the actual fighting direction. I would not be surprised if he was all over it. The art style was a little bit better. I thought it was going to be just like Spider-Man, but it had its own little tone to it. It had its yeah. more little neons to it, a little cyberpunk to it. It stuck to the grit of like that New York hip-hop kind of burst yes. of... The soundtrack. You know what I mean? The dirtiness of the sewer of everything of yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what the original was. So, yeah, I would definitely say like for families, friends, anybody that would listen to something like this overall pop culture, if you hadn't got a chance to check it out, Please just check that out, especially now that it's out on um, digital. Yeah, you know, like so. I bought it digitally, Aaron, to answer your question. Um, and then I'm buying a physical copy. I mean, really, like you talked about with the art style, feeling very 90s. Like it's got that 90s. What I love about it, too, is it's got that 90s gross out feeling to it, too. Like it, it really does. Like there's some pretty funny jokes in here that are just pure gross out humor. Um, right. And the. the my favorite one is the, the the vomit scene with "Feel the rain on your skin." I was dying, bro. I was dying. Like I would, I would say that wasn't my favorite, but it was. I was, I was skeptical about how Ice Cube was gonna play out as Superfly. That could have played off kind of funny to me. I'm real funny. Like when, like the movie Dobermite came out at first, I was sensitive to it in a messed up kind of way. I hated that movie. It had to grow on me, so I was real funny I, that was the reason why i paused i was like here we go i don't know they ice cube superfly baxter stockman i'm a real fan how are they gonna bring this together one of the best villains ever. um like, that i've seen ever the intro fit the way that they tied together all the villains and kind of made like with the plethora of villains that they had and how they tied it in kind of that made me feel the nostalgia of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with the toys and how they used to have so many different kinds of movies. Yes. And it was just masterful how they put it together. I got to salute Seth Rogen. That's his second thing that surprised me this year. With what it, Also, he played Donkey Kong and um, Mario Brothers, which is yeah. a lot of fun. So, it was a lot uh, of yeah, fun. Chad, like, I would definitely suggest it's something for you to watch with your son. That's it's definitely something on a Sunday to watch after a game. Oh, 100%. Now, now I'll say this, too, about... Um, <laughs> getting Paul Rudd in there, but then you had Post Malone in there. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, that's, like, they got Paul Rudd, Post Malone, Emily Blunt, all kinds of people just, like, showing up in this movie in, in a good way. Like you said, it was supposed to be this throwaway movie, and now it's become, like, this 
huge success that can't be ignored. And that's kind of what it gets down to. The point for me is when companies and film producers and video game producers kind of like do what's right by their audience. Like I got to give credit to Starfield going back to the original conversation. No microtransactions. Baldur's Gate 3, no microtransactions. Huge story play interactive. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out, telling a real story about real teens who are just happen to be turtles in an animated world. It feels great. It's like a great coming of age story. Like I, I would put it up there with like, I don't think it's as good as something like Stand By Me, but it's still a great coming of age story. Um, right. And then you've got um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which feels like an 80s movie. And they do all these live effects right in front of the camera with these puppets and these animatronics that feel like when you do the things that you know work and when you do the way that, you know, the, the, the audiences are calling for it. Because you look at Baldur's Gate 3 and you look at Starfield, people were mad about microtransactions. These two games come out without microtransactions. People wanted movies that felt original in a way that, even though Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is based off a long-running property, felt very original. D&D was very original. And they were supposed to be throwaway. If you remember, Todd, D&D, Honor Among Thieves, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were supposed to be throwaway movies. They weren't supposed to be big. Like Dungeons and Dragons hey man, look, dropped, dropped in March. L- let me tell you what you just did so so perfectly and just graciously. You know what you did? You brought it all together like booty cheeks, man. Pause. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You brought it all together because that's it. It was like they give like even with Starfield, I can see I haven't had a chance to play it yet. No microtransactions. I'm on board with checking it out. Yeah. Period. Just to see, just to get full experiences. I gotta get this in chest it. Uh. And Aaron is basically Chad the homie, and you know the SCT tribe. But it sounds like all they were missing was Henry Cavill. Pretty much, pretty much. That's kind of all that was missing was Henry Cavill. It's, I mean, and it's. I think we're getting back to the point, and I'll put it like this: where I think we're missing, and we're starting to realize, hey, we were missing the fun from entertainment for a long time, because you know a lot of these, a lot of these for a long time since the Dark Knight. It's really kind of been about grit. And I love The Dark Knight, but there's a lot of grittiness. The Dark Knight, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad. When you look at general entertainment. But what do I see this year coming out more than anything? Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Barbie, Dungeons and Dragons. I see fun. That's what I'm seeing. Now, Oppenheimer wasn't fun, but it was interesting. But I see fun. I see that we're wanting fun back in our entertainment, which is how it should be. I mean, that's where some of it should be serious. It should be a good balance, but you can't go one way or the other. And I'm seeing a lot more entertaining stuff come out this year than big pictures. Now that'll be said, Barbie was fun. I'll give you that. Like Barbie, well, and I, I Barbie think I think we're movie. starting to get more classic American cultural films. Yes. Maybe not so much more populist entertainment. I think some things are starting to come more purely back home, yeah. and that is something that is encouraging. And it's like that. That's my, you know, takeaway from the conversation today. Um, as far as like generally speaking, everything we talked about, like even 2K, man, I'm telling you, even 2K looks amazing. Now, last looks year, fun. the gameplay, I felt it. I know what it feels like in my hands, bro. I know what that crack. Come on, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Let me tell you something about me. I play 2K, baby. I Just promise know. I had a 35 minute conversation with that dude last night. So even that looks good. Even with the crazy. 
just extremity of microtransaction. It looks good as far as at least the community is becoming more conscious and aware. It's not even about not being able to go out and spend a bag on experiences you want to spend experiences on. You can go into a game of transactions, microtransactions. It's about being conscious of it and it yes. not being like a drug where you're spending $1,000 on a game and you don't even realize it. That's exactly. the trick. That's the problem. Exactly. You know what I mean? So... Um, just to be grateful for those things that you're not going to get all the time. The decade games like a Baldur's Gate 3 that are going to give you the old school Nintendo. You paid full price for a game. This is the game. Cheat codes, everything in it enabled and all good. But, uh, you know, it, it's just it's just nice. It's a nice time to still be alive, man. You know, 100%. of all things, pop culture. and gaming, man. It's a reminder. So, oh, it's pretty much all I got. One last recommendation, and I got it for you, and I got it for the tribe. It's for Halloween, spooky seasons coming up. I always got to recommend movies. Your favorite time of year, my, yes. my Your favorite, favorite time, time of year. year. All right. The movie is called Cobweb. It's out on demand right now. It got dropped to very little fanfare. Nobody paid attention to it. The advertising, the trailers were horrendous. They didn't do a good job. Perfect Halloween movie. Perfect Halloween movie. It's called Cobweb. It came out in theaters for like a week and then disappeared. But this is, Todd, when I tell you this reminded me of, oh, what is it? People Under the Stairs. It's not as good. It's not as fun. But it's still good. You know what I mean? Like, it's worth the one time. Like, if you like People Under the Stairs, if you like 80s horror, go watch Cobweb. The ending got me a little bit like, eh, not great, but 95% of the movie, you're going to have a good time. That's what I'm going to cool say. Cool deal, man. Oh, you know, you know, I'll check it out. Ever since, ever since you suggested Terrifier, as fucked yes. up as it is, and Psycho Gore, man, I'm on board. But Psycho definitely, Gore, again, man. I really got to thank, I really got to thank everybody in the chat, man. That's definitely showing big love from the STT triple OGs in the Skip the Tutorial Tribe. You know, we'll have the links with the podcast, just if nothing else, for nostalgia purposes and stuff. It'll be on all platforms like Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Anchor, probably all that other kind of stuff. But, you know, Aaron again, Dewey, Raleo, Punishment, Boss Man, the list goes on and on for the original um, people while we do this still, man. You know, holding things together. Adam, you know what I mean? You know, hopefully you check it out on on the back end. But, yeah, that's a... what, what else we got? What else we got? Is it, am I missing something, my boy? That's it, man. That's all we got this week. And as we always do before we sign off, stay humble. Stay humble. Stay humble.